0: Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. It is Thanksgiving week. Hope everyone's having a a healthy, happy Thanksgiving week. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Of course, I am joined by our fearless leader at Horns 24-7, the managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, happy Thanksgiving week.
1: Happy Thanksgiving, Chip. How are you doing?
0: You know what? I am thankful, thankful that we are here another week doing the flagship podcast. I am thankful that it is uh, college football still being played. And in this mad capped, crazy 2020, I'm, I'm thankful that, um, that we're here talking some football, hopefully getting time with some family this week. And, and how are you? You got family in town, right?
1: I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything, you know, good. I'm ready for to cover a game. I feel like it's been a hot minute since we have covered a game. Um, and you know, I definitely think that the one that we're about to cover this week is going to be potentially a doozy chip to be honest. I mean, the cyclones coming off of that 45 to nothing absolute throttling of Kansas State, and then Texas having 20 days to prepare for this—I mean, this could be one to remember. I think for both uh, Texas and Cyclones fans and people in the Big 12 because of the Big 12 title implications that this game's carry with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's if if you look at both of these teams, they control their own destiny. Iowa State is six and one in conference play; they are in first place because everyone else. Um, has two conference losses, uh, including Texas, obviously. And so this is what I call the control your own destiny countdown. And I think this is the toughest hurdle for Texas left. I mean, obviously, Kansas is a tomato can. And if Texas can't go to Lawrence and handle that business on December 12th, then Shame on them and we're wasting our time. But you've got the trip to K-State December 5th. You're going to have back-to-back road trips to the great state of Kansas now, which um, is, for those of us who've made those road trips, are are a doozy. I mean, Lawrence is fun because you have Fog Allen Fieldhouse and all that stuff. Maybe you can time a basketball game in there. Of course, now it's Mad Dog 2020. You're not going to get to sit in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. So um, anyway, it this game to me, Taylor, against Iowa State with the momentum that Ohio, I mean, Iowa State has, almost crowned him Ohio State right there. Um, <laughs> you know, the 45-0 win over K-State, that grabs your attention. K-State was depleted. They were missing two of their best, I mean, two of their best defensive players and their stud receiver Malik Knowles to COVID. But, still 45 nothing is 45 nothing and and so look iowa state is on the verge of all kinds of history this is crazy i didn't realize just how bad iowa state has been for so long i mean we're talking about their 6 and 1 in conference play uh for the first time since like 1928 if they can beat texas and and win out and win the big 12 title it would be their first outright conference championship since 1912. Jeez, for a
1: hundred years.
0: I mean, Iowa State is, I mean, they're smelling something special. And of course, Matt Campbell has struggled in the final month of the season. He's nine and six. He's in his sixth year at Iowa State, but... This is his best team. He's got the nation's leading rusher in Brees Hall, who's only a sophomore. He's got three monster tight ends that are all built like Rob Gronkowski. And he's got a crafty, up-and-down quarterback who can run around a little bit, kind of like Texas has a crafty veteran quarterback who can run around a little bit who's been up and down, Taylor.
1: Yeah, I mean, Iowa State, there's no doubt in my mind, Chip, that Iowa State has one of, if not the best running back in the country in Brees Hall. I mean, if you look at what he's been able to do this season, it is beyond impressive. I mean, you know, as you said, Brock Purdy has been up and down, but the reason why the Cyclones have really managed to keep it together, even with, you know, up and down quarterback play, as Texas fans know all too well recently, is because of the running game. I mean, the he's averaged over, or he's rushed for over a hundred yards per game. With his worst showing, I believe it was a hundred and four yards. I think total against uh, ULA or Louisiana. Excuse me to open the season, and since then, I mean, he rushed for one hundred and eighty-five yards against Oklahoma State. Um, that was a, I think he tied his season high with that performance. But he is such a threat, and. You know, I think that we can talk all we want about Kansas State being depleted, as you kind of had mentioned, it does 45 nothing is 45 nothing how you said, you know, it's this is a 45 nothing win over a conference opponent who has, you know, to only prior to the game only two losses in conference play with a winning record. I mean, some, you know, I, I tweeted something about that over the weekend, saying, man, if this is the Iowa State team that shows up on Black Friday to play Texas. Like, this could really hinder the Longhorns' Big 12 title chances. And some people responded, like, K-State's terrible. It's like, I don't care if they're depleted. 45 nothing is 45 nothing against a conference opponent. And, you know, cr- credit to Matt Campbell. My goodness, the job he's done, you know, hearing the stats of Iowa State's history, you know, um, 108 years since they won a conference championship. That's pretty crazy that he's done this in a minimal amount of time being in Ames. I mean, he's, he's done so much for that program in such this, it, you know, six years is six years, but still it's, it's a lot for what he has done for how he has turned, you know, that program around coming off of the Paul Rhodes era. I mean, this is just, I think there's something really special and I'm really curious how sustainable this could be for Matt Campbell and Iowa State moving forward.
0: Right. I mean, I, I talked to him this week on the big 12 coaches call and asked him that very thing. I said, tell me about your recruiting, your culture fits and what type of kid you're looking for there. And do you have enough of them to sustain this? Because if you look at the roster, it's all juniors and seniors, except for Brees Hall who's a sophomore. And in Brock Purdy's a junior quarterback. Mike Rose, their Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate, who I'm not kidding, he wears number 23. He's 6'4", 245, and runs like Brian Urlacher. Like, where did they find this guy? Yeah. And he's top four in the conference in tackles. He leads the conference in interceptions. I mean, he does – and, and if you talk to anyone about Matt Campbell, it's, it's the word development is immediate. Mm-hmm. Like he finds guys who are willing to work their butt off, who are good enough athletes, have enough speed who he can develop and he develops them. And so I think you look at um, you look at this team and you say, man, how did how did he find Brees Hall? How did he find the Charlie Kohler and Dylan Sainer and Chase Allen these monster tight ends and and no one else is using 13 personnel in this Big 12. And players aren't used to undersized linebackers who are built for the spread and getting sideline to sideline, aren't used to having six, seven, 250 pound guys coming at them as lead blockers and, you know, as the entourage for Brees Hall. So it's a different offense than what you're used to seeing at any, any, at any other time in this league. And and so credit to Matt Campbell. And of course, his defensive coordinator, John Haycock, is the one who is widely credited for coming up with that 3-8 cloud to, that has now been adopted by tons of people to slow down the spread offense where you know you rush three, drop eight and invite teams to run, but you have enough speed to be able to come up and and defend the run Baylor played that defense to perfection last year to an 11 and one regular season. So Matt Campbell and John Haycock's been with Matt Campbell since they were at Toledo together, Mm -hmm. that continuity and trust, which kind of leads us to Tom Herman and Sam Ellinger and senior day, because Sam Ellinger, we had a chance to talk to him this week and look, it's not been the senior year he wanted. It's probably, it's not the senior year or any year anyone wanted, but Sam knows he has to win a conference championship to have the kind of, you know, he wants to leave it better than he found it. Right. And to do that, winning the first conference championship since 09 would slam the door shut on that. And no questions asked, I, I left it better than I found it. Well, he didn't have a say on Tom Herman changing out seven assistant coaches, including his offensive coordinator and, and all the change that was going to have to come and, and, and all the off-the-field distractions, obviously. But it, the continuity that Matt Campbell has had with his staff has allowed him to build the kind of culture and consistency that you're seeing from a program that has never had four straight winning seasons. Can you believe that? So they haven't had four straight winning seasons at Iowa State since 1928, or the modern era of football, which I guess is when Iowa State like started keeping or joined a league or something. But <laughs> that's, I mean, it's 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 impressive, Taylor. This is a special season for Iowa State. If they could get past Texas, man, they're going to be, you know, they would have West Virginia left. That's no, that's no easy. Um, no easy time, but it is a home game for Iowa state. And then if they beat Texas and West Virginia, they're in the big 12 championship game.
1: That's, I mean, so I'm, I'm curious. So you were, you know, covering Texas, uh, back in the day when, you know, this was kind of happening with K state a little bit. Do you see a little similarity between how Bill Snyder ran his program at K state to what Matt Campbell is doing I mean that that's putting Matt Campbell on a huge pedestal and I understand that because I consider Bill Snyder Honestly, one of the best football coaches in college football history for the work He did with what he actually had, you know at his disposal is so beyond impressive I'm not sure if anybody will ever top that but do you think that this is almost a similar type of um, Road that the Cyclones are on right now under Matt Campbell with the way he's running the program
0: yeah, and It'll be interesting to see if he, would, if he wants to go anywhere else. I mean, yeah, we sure. saw this, and I, I'm going to bring up Art Bryles, and people are going to cringe, but Art Bryles is a really talented, offensive-minded football coach. He, t- he took over a Baylor program that had been dead. I mean, no one had done anything there, and, and he turned it into a perennial power and didn't, didn't leave. Mm-hmm. Everyone keeps waiting for Matt Campbell to leave. Right. Like, if he could ever turn Iowa State into a conference championship team, everyone expects him to leave. He's from Ohio. He grew up, you know, he played at Mount Union. and But what if he is like Bill Snyder? What if he loves the family community there in Ames and the fact that he's winning at a place where it's so appreciated every single week? I mean, he if he goes to a place like Texas – where the fans are like, man, you played Kansas too close. Yeah. You're terrible. It's a different job. Right. It's a different job. And so it's always funny. I mean, the conversation always turns to me at Texas who's the right guy at Texas? Obviously, Mac Brown had this incredible ability to be a CEO, but Taylor, he told me, Mac told me point blank, it was because his wife was a millionaire that he was comfortable in his own skin, that he was going to do it the way he wanted. And if they fired me, I don't care. My wife's a millionaire. She made her money in real estate before I ever met her. And, you know, she kind of saved Mac because he was upside down in North Carolina when they met. And then she kind of infused this confidence into him to become the coach and the person that he always wanted to be. He always, you know, she never wanted that kind of credit, but it's true. And... Who is the right guy at a place like Texas? Well, you could always coach at Iowa State like Matt Campbell's doing where they just appreciate you every single day. When you go to the grocery store, you're a hero. Right. And, and you're just coaching guys and you're not having to deal with all the outside noise that comes with a place like Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Texas. So it's fascinating. It's a, it's a great contrast. Obviously, Campbell's been there. This is his sixth season. Tom Herman is in his fourth season at Texas, and and so you know here we here we go. It's um, it's hugely important to both programs. For Iowa State, it's a chance to to make history. For Tom Herman, it's been to keep the wolves off of him and to help a talented team achieve some you know a goal that they set out. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say what that 2017 class recruiting class calls themselves.
1: Oh yeah. Um, There's a emoji on your phone that uh, how, how how would we say, I don't know if we should say it, but
0: yeah, the, the, the doo doo emoji.
1: Yeah. Something stain 17,
0: bleep stain 17, (laughs) which I think is just hilarious. It is. Yeah. But those guys want this so bad and we'll get into, can Can Texas will its way uh, to a win here Friday? Um, You know, because it's – that Sam Ellinger, what a story, right? I mean, he grew up. His dad took him to the games. His dad was a silver spur at Texas. His his dad passes away. And Sam lives the dream of going on to Texas and playing quarterback. And and can he finish – the way he wants to finish. It's it's an amazing story that will play out on Friday.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that, Chip. And the good news that Texas does have um, in its favor is they're supposed to be getting possibly or probably getting back um, Jordan Whittington. Um, Keontae Ingram is considered questionable to start the week. Uh, their plan was to get him into practice, see if he could kind of go there and um, you know make a decision from there. But I think that the fact that Texas they should have should have Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith available on the offense. I mean, this only helps Sam Ellinger.
0: Yeah, Whittington is coming off the hip flexor sprain, and Josh Moore is working through the That's AC right. yeah. joint shoulder. Injury. But that only
1: helps Sam Ellinger. You know, he and and teams don't really know what Jordan Whittington can bring to the table because he's been injured, but. People who've seen, you know, what he did in high school, know what he could possibly do. That could be a secret weapon that Texas almost has to work against this Iowa State defense that I think is currently 30th in the country in scoring defense. You know, they're playing, they're playing, you know, well as you had mentioned under their defensive coordinator this year again. But I think that I think Texas may have some some secret weapons in uh, its pocket on offense, especially that uh, could surprise people. And I think that's got to be what they show from out the gate in order to, you know, make this team, the, the 2017 class, the, you know, bleep stain 17 class, like it's time to start fighting for these guys. These guys have been fighting for this program. They've put in the work. They, you know, were recruit- A lot of them were recruited by Charlie strong stuck around like a Sam Ellinger, you know, a, a, a Josh Thompson, you know, a lot of these guys to Quan Graham, they were already committed to Charlie Strong. They stuck it out. They've been through the transition of a coaching change, never playing for the coaches that that recruited them. I mean, I think I think that if the rest of the team can just come together for this game, this could be huge for um, you know the the future. Because I think you're right. You know, with and I, we don't know what's going to happen when Kansas State and Texas play. What guys are going to be available or not, but this is for sure the toughest challenge left on the schedule, not saying the rest of it's going to be, you know, smooth sailing or anything along those lines, but this is a type of game that can give you that confidence as you go towards the final, you know, two games of the season. And that's absolutely not just what the 2017 class needs, but that's what Tom Herman needs. I mean, this is, you know, the, the three game winning streak has been super really positive for Texas. And with Tom Herman, you know, it kind of quieted some of the the questions about him being on the hot seat, but those are not those haven't disappeared. Remember, these are just kind of on the back burner right now. They just haven't you know clicked on and put it on high yet. But this is the, I think that Texas, you know, fight for what you have left on there and fight for the guys that have fought for you.
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh, it it's incredible drama. No one does drama like Texas, especially right. when the coach is. Starting to get into the shopping for asbestos underwear. No one, no one does drama like that. And asbestos
1: underwear. What is that? I don't know if I've ever heard that said. Oh yeah,
0: because he's on the hot seat, so he needs he needs the asbestos drawers. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but uh, it's look it. You look at the three game stretch that Texas has left. K State's on its third string quarterback. You know, they had Skylar Thompson, he got hurt. They had Will Howard, now they're on Nick Ast, who's a freshman. And he was part of that bludgeoning that Iowa State administered. And West Virginia got after Will Howard. He threw three interceptions. And look, the thing that we'll get into here, and the other, real quickly before I get into Texas's run defense. The one other injury that we have not talked enough about is Cade Brewer, who's been banged up really since the Texas tech game. He had a, a quad contusion like Sam Ellinger in that game. Then it was worse. Like he, he got hit again to the point Taylor where he could barely play in the West Virginia game. They brought him in at the tail end of that game because they trusted him. Um, but if they would have played Kansas last week, it's doubtful. I mean, they want him to be the holder for, right. for Cameron Dicker because Buczewski, the punter who's now out, had been the holder. Cade Brewer was the holder for Dicker in high school at Lake Travis. But his knee was so messed up that they were going to have the backup deep snapper, uh, Zach Edwards, as the holder. Now, I don't know, I need to double check and see if, if Edwards is still going to hold against Iowa State or if Cade is good enough, but he's healthier. So Cade Brewer will play. Jared Wiley, I'm not even sure he's going to play. It, it, B.J. Foster took out both Cade and um, Jared Wiley in their uh, practices leading up to Kansas. And, you know, this was part of their hey, we're going you know, to be super physical in our off week and then we'll ta- you know, tailor it back. Well, I mean, they're, they're probably going to have one tight end on the, on the field. And then now to get back to the point about Texas's run defense, that run defense has been pretty darn good, Taylor. If you're going to beat Iowa State, you've got to stop this tight end lead blocking 13 personnel running attack and you gotta find a way to to get Brees Hall to the ground because that's been the that's been the difference. And and I think Texas has the the confidence right now on defense, or at least what we saw from them against Chuba Hubbard, against Letty Brown. This is a Texas defense that's starting to gain confidence.
1: Right. And that I do think that is something that's a good point, Chip, because the, the one part of the defense that seems to be getting better and better with each week is the front seven. You know, it's the linebackers, it's the the defensive line. The secondary has been hit or miss. Sometimes they've made big plays. They've also given up some big plays, um, but, or, you know, penalty calls being flagged for pass interference, whatever it may be. But yeah, I think that this is something that that helps Texas substantially and probably, will be one of the tougher fronts that Iowa State has faced this year. Now, you know, I, I'm not trying to disregard other Big 12 defenses or anything like that. However, this defense is playing up to the standard that I think most people expected from it from the start of the season. I mean, this is a veteran unit. There's there's uh, juniors and seniors and all across the defensive line. I mean, this is this is a unit now that, in a position group, especially that is finally really stepping it up. Um, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that you know Texas is going to somehow shut down Brees Hall um, just because no team has been able to shut down Brees Hall. I mean, he's run for over 100 yards in every single game. Leads the nation right now in rushing. I believe he has uh 1169 yards entering this game. I mean, he he's a he's a force to be reckoned with for sure.
0: Fifteen one five rushing touchdowns this year.
1: Yeah. So I mean, this is this is just an absolute dominant weapon that Iowa State has, and it and will. And he can be. catch the ball. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. He's not he's not just a one trick pony here. <laughs> he can do multiple things. I mean, this is just an elite athlete. I think that he needs to be getting he's getting a little bit more now but I have thought for a while that he needed to be getting a lot more Heisman hype you know possible Heisman candidate attention I have seen a lot more people recently saying it but this guy's legit um, and it's going to be something definitely a key to watch in this game it's going to see it's going to be how the Texas especially the front seven on defense go up against uh, this running attack by Iowa State because you know it's going to they're going to run the ball. They're going to, they're going to make you stop them before they give it up, you know, and I don't know how many teams can stop them right now, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I, couple points here, Purdy, Brock Purdy, who's a junior, Sam Ellinger, senior, were the veteran quarterbacks coming into the league this year and were the ones everyone was looking to for. Big splashy senior, or not senior, but big seasons coming in because they were the known commodity. You had Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State who was young last year, but the veterans who'd been around were Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy, and they've both been up and down. Like as as well as Brock Purdy played in in that forty five nothing wipeout of K State, he was sixteen of twenty three touchdown passes, no picks, ran seven times for 59 yards. The week before, in a home game against Baylor, he had three interceptions, including a pick six in the second quarter that put Baylor up 21-7 in that game. And they had to dig their way out, and they did. But Purdy's been up and down and all around. He had an interception against Oklahoma State in their one conference loss. And he was off in the opener against Louisiana. He he looked uncomfortable. Now you can say it's because Charlie Kohler wasn't in that game. Their monster, all Big 12 tight end. Now he's there. So's Chase Allen. So's Dylan Saner. Those three, you know, three-headed monster tight ends who are all like red shirt seniors. You know, I mean, they're all well, Kohler's a junior, I think, but the others are seniors and fifth-year guys and all that stuff. So, you know, you look at Purdy, he's been up and down. You don't know what you're getting from him. And, and Sam has been up and down too. Sam's coming off of a 48.4% completion rate against West Virginia. And in a game that we all said, just run the ball, quit trying to throw it. I don't care if you've had injuries in the slot and there's no consistency or whatever the problem's been with receivers can't get off press man. They can't get out. Run the dang ball. Mm-hmm. And and so what does Mike Yursich and and uh Tom Herman have in store? What does Matt Campbell uh have? I mean both of them to me are gonna need to have a healthy running game in this game, and I can't wait to see B. John Robinson because when last we saw him, Taylor, he was averaging nine yards a carry and and didn't get more than twelve carries.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a
0: guy that's a guy who you gotta Coach him up. I don't care if he's a freshman. Coach that dude up and get him get him the rock.
1: Yeah, one thing to consider here, Chip and I just looked this up with Iowa State, they're currently the 15th best run defense in college football right now. So this is a strain, you know and uh, that's something that Texas is going they're gonna have to run the ball. We've talked about this. I believe it was last week, this last few weeks have just rumbled, you know, together. I, I think I got that injury <laughs> update totally mixed between the last two, um, although we haven't seen, you know, Whittington or anything either. But still, you know, I think that um, the, the thing that we talked about before is a way to help a struggling passing game is a good running game. You know, make them respect you. <laughs> it's a running That's attack.
0: That's a running, play action.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. To set up the passing game and and to give as, as we talked about I think it was last week you know about the offensive line confidence help them gain confidence because that is you know if, if the running backs are doing their job like Bijan Robinson was um, in that last game against West Virginia then they're gonna they're gonna play the way that they should be playing they're gonna play you know instinctually not overthink every single thing and that's for any position honestly and that's honestly for any sport too but yeah I mean I think that Um, Texas is going to have to really, really dedicate a, you know, a heavy running attack against Iowa state, even though they're going to be facing, you know, an Iowa state defense that is the number 15th uh, rush run defense, excuse me, in the country. And they're um, giving up an average uh, 104 yards per game. So, I mean, this is going to be.
0: Yeah, this is a physical line of scrimmage game. And Taquan Graham talked about it. He said, look, these tight ends come at you. And they love to block. So if, if the Texas defensive line isn't ready to just crack some helmets, they're not going to win this game. If they are, if they're ready to make a statement after all this craziness in 2020, man, we should see a really good game. Might be low scoring unless there's turnovers. So uh, I think back to last year, Taylor, and I was in Ames for that 23-21 game um, where Texas could do nothing. And, you know, they went for it on fourth down, deep in Iowa State territory early on the road, which I always say, take the field goal first. Get the points first. When you're on the road, just get, get points. And they didn't. And they were down 20-7 to in the third quarter. And then Sam Ellinger. Mm -hmm. Um, you know we've seen this before comes to life on a 10 play drive and some of this stuff is pretty amazing um on a 10 play drive that started in the third quarter ended in the fourth quarter they cut it to 2014 and he was six of nine passing on that and converted a third and 10 um from the Iowa State 22 with a touchdown pass and then the 15-play drive that was kind of similar to the Oklahoma State drive in Stillwater this year where he had to overcome second and 35. I don't know if people remember this.
1: I didn't remember this until we talked about it before the show, yeah. <laughs>
0: second and 35, it's kind of like the fourth and 22, right? Mm-hmm. And they got a roughing the punter penalty to bail him out of that one. This one, they had second 35 and 35, and Sam hits Eagles for a 30-yard pickup and then converts third and five with a 26-yard pass to Devin Duvernay, which gave them first and goal from the seven. Now, they tried to run it. They didn't go anywhere. And they end up having to throw a fourth and goal touchdown pass to Malcolm Epps, very similar to the fourth down touchdown pass to Jake Smith at Oklahoma State. I mean, and I just remember this, Taylor, because that happened with 5.37 left. Then they, the defense holds Iowa State. Texas gets the ball back with four minutes left at their own 15. And they brought in two tight ends. After not being able to run for a yard the whole game, they bring in two tight ends and try to run. And they get nothing. And so on third and 10, they have to pass. Iowa State brings the house on a blitz. It goes incomplete. And I've never seen Sam Ellinger so mad in my life coming off the field.
1: Because you were you were on the sideline.
0: I was on the sideline. Yeah. And so
1: you witnessed this all firsthand.
0: He was so mad. And I've never seen Sam throw his helmet. And he was so mad that they didn't trust him after going on that 10-play drive and the 15-play drive when they had to have points. They, and he threw it all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, he threw it almost every snap of that. He threw it nine times on the 10 play drive right? (laughs) and they got the touchdown. And, and then on the 15 play drive, he was seven of 11 passing Mm -hmm. and they didn't trust him to throw from his own 15. Iowa state gets the ball back. Now there was the, you know, they lined up for the long field goal. The kid missed it. Joseph Osai was off sides. The drive continued. Matt Campbell bled the clock down to three seconds, put the kicker back out there. Connor, a Sally, and a Sally made it from 39 yards. And Iowa State won 23-21. I've never seen Al- Ellinger so mad. It would not shock me if this guy is just possessed when he hits the field at 11 a.m. And that leads us to the 11 a.m. Um, factoid, Taylor, where Texas has not been great at 11 a.m. In fact, they opened the season 0 and 2 at 11 a.m. against TCU and OU. They did beat West Virginia, 17-13 in an 11 a.m. kick. So they're 1 and 2 in 11 a.m. games, and they are 6 and 7 overall in 11 a.m. games under Tom Herman.
1: What is it? Like I just I don't understand. I mean, I feel like you know. The, the definition The definition of crazy is you're know, doing the same exact thing and expecting a different result. And that's kind of how I feel like this team is in 11 a.m. 11 a. games. It's like, I mean, how can you not learn your lesson with that? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they did it back to back this year with uh, the TCU and the Oklahoma game and both of those losses. I mean, yeah, this is, I don't know if maybe they need to just wake the team up at like 4 a.m. or something and beat on their doors or something. I don't, I don't know what you do to get them ready, but they got to find a way. Cause I, I think that this is going to be a game chip that they are going to have to come out the gate on fire. Um, you know, I think you don't want this Iowa state team to get momentum, especially early. I really think that that could be, you know, um, detrimental to Texas. I mean, especially when that team is coming off of a 45 to nothing win over a conference opponent who at the time had a winning record. Um, I mean, this, this is something that they got to do something different in this 11 a.m. start.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's a big day. They're, they're going to unveil the Julius Whittier statue in the north end um, of DKR. So players will uh, pass it on their way into the stadium. Um, and Julius Whittier, the first black football letterman, uh, this is part of the the more inclusive campus changes that came ab- about this summer, announced by UT President Jay Hartzell and and Julius Whittier, a fascinating guy. I mean, he grew up in San Antonio. Uh, his his mom and high school coach didn't even tell him he was being recruited, and then um, told him that he was being recruited by Texas and had a letter from Daryl Royal. He loved watching Texas. Um, they were running the wishbone at that time. He ended up being a freshman in 69 when they won the national championship. He couldn't play because at that time, freshmen were not allowed to play. They That would change in 1972, but he was on the 70 national championship team as an offensive lineman and, and tight end. And, Um, you know, he went on to get graduate degrees from Texas, got his law degree from, from UT and worked in the Dallas, uh, prosecutor's office. And, and so it's a, it's a big day for Texas on Friday and they're going to be honoring the 70, the 50th anniversary of that 70 national championship team. So on top of senior day, Taylor, Mm mm-hmm. Which can and be emotional. Big
1: Twelve title game. Your chances still too. <laughs>
0: right. So let's see how focused these guys can be at 11 a.m. with all this other stuff going on and senior day, and guys can get emotional, which sometimes can work against you. Mm-hmm. These guys just need to be spitting fire, like you said, and get after it because if they can, uh, if they can handle this hurdle to me, then the Road gets significantly easier. Yes, you're playing a Kansas team that has no confidence, and possibly a K-State team on its third-string quarterback. So,
1: yeah, no doubt. And we'll continue this conversation here with some uh, heavy-hitting, love it or leave it topics. But we're going to take a very short break. You definitely want to stick around. We may even talk about a little bit about our favorite or least favorite Thanksgiving sides at the end of the show too. Um, I'll tell you a story about.
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: All right, Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it?
0: Oh, yes. Everybody's favorite part of the show.
1: All right. I'm going to pose a few topics at you. If you agree, go ahead and love it. Disagree, go ahead and leave it. So my first one for you is Texas held Letty Brown and Chuba Hubbard below their season averages. Love it or leave it. The Longhorns will do the same with Brees Hall.
0: I'm going to go with love it here because you show me something once, it could be uh, an anomaly. You show me something twice, I'm going to start to say that's a trend. And the thing that I liked most about what they did in holding down Letty Brown is they held West Virginia period. I mean, Letty Brown had 15 carries for 47 yards, 3.1 a carry. You'll take that. But they held West Virginia to to 43 yards rushing on 26 carries. That's 1.7. And this is a West Virginia team that was running the football. And same with Oklahoma State. Chuba Hubbard, the nation's leading rusher last year, 25 carries, 72 yards, 2.9 a carry in Stillwater and you hold Oklahoma State to 51 carries for 130 yards, which is 2.5 a carry. With all the craziness that was going on in that game, with the back end giving up huge plays and touchdowns to Tylen Wallace, and good guy, the guy seemed like he had 1,000 catches in that game. The run defense held firm, and we are seeing progress, or we were seeing progress from Juwan Mitchell and and Demarvian Overshawn backing up that, Formidable defensive line, Tavondre Sweat, breakout game against West Virginia when Keandre Coburn went down with the angle injury. So I'm I'm gonna love this. Okay. Brees Hall's special, that three-headed monster, tight end blocking 13 personnel is different. I'm not saying that Brees Hall won't break a long run. He probably will. He did that to Oklahoma State. But I'm gonna say I love it. Texas will hold Brees Hall below his season averages.
1: Okay. Well, to put it about you, you know, so currently Brees Hall is averaging 146.12 yards rushing per game. So I'm gonna love it and say that they Texas will hold him below the 146 rushing yards. That in in the other side of that, that is no not me saying they're gonna shut him down. Averaging 146 rushing yards per game as an individual is a very, very, you know, substantial accomplishment and not something that is very common Um, in, you know, especially Power 5 college football. This is not, I I know the Big 12 is a little bit down, but the defenses are playing better this year than they have in years um, in this conference. So I'm going to say that Texas holds them below that number. However, I would be absolutely astonished if they held them under 100 yards. Because that's something that no team has done so far this season. So um, yes, I will love it. Um, I think that he won't rush for 146 yards, but he might rush for 135. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay.
0: All right. That's
1: kind of where I'm going to go with that one. All right. So.
0: Which means friend. that the Texas defense is going to have to find a way to turn over Brock Purdy, which teams have been able to do.
1: Right. Yeah. That hasn't been his strong suit either. And you know, as you said, up and down quarterback play. So that, that's definitely probably an option. But uh, so here, uh, my second one for you, speaking of Brock Purdy. So Brock Purdy and Sam Ellinger have had you know, up and down seasons this year, as we talked about. Love it or leave it, the reason for these up and down seasons, it's because both quarterbacks are pressing.
0: You know, I I'm gonna love this. I do think that there has been some pressing going on, and I think when you start to read that you're a NFL caliber quarterback, you start inevitably thinking about trying to be a little bit too perfect, a little too precise, instead of just, as Sam Ellinger said himself, just trusting your receivers and letting the ball rip. And I go back to when I was ready to throw Sam Ellinger to the curb after they lost at Maryland when he had two chances in the final five minutes to win that game and ended up throwing a deep ball to little Jordan Humphrey when he was double covered, when he had Devin Duvernay wide open underneath. Um, And Tom Herman called him Sunday after that game and said, listen, you're my guy. I need you to be, aggressive not reckless right and and i think that, that that conversation might be worth revisiting in the hotel team hotel before um before friday morning's game and so yeah i do think they've been pressing and purdy just looked like he was he he's looked uncomfortable at times and i bring up that baylor game taylor because i was like uh what, where is this coming from? This, you know, this is a guy who put it together when he had to against Oklahoma. Granted, it was an Oklahoma team without Ramondre Stevenson, without Ronnie Perkins. Oh, God, did those guys have a game against Oklahoma State? I mean, 41 to 13. Ramondre Stevenson ran for 146 yards. He's bowling people over. Ronnie Perkins is the Big 12 defensive player of the week in that game. He had, you know, three tackles for loss, two sacks. So Oklahoma, but Brock Purdy made the plays he had to make mm-hmm. and, and came from behind, won the game. So, yeah, I just I feel like he's been pressing. I, I, I thought Purdy and Sam would both kind of do that this year, and it's been a, it's been a turbulent, turbulent ride. Fascinating yeah. to see which one can kind of get it together here Friday because all, all the chips are in the middle of the table
1: totally agree with that. Absolutely. And before I answer it real quick, I just wanted to say, I'm pretty sure last week, uh, one of our questions was about bedlam and how you thought that might get right. Didn't Man,
0: I, How can you lose 16 of 17? How do you do that? Uh, Come on, oh Gundy. <laughs> I thought he would do it for, I thought he would do it for Boone Piggins. I swear to God, I thought he would cause Boone was always like, Gundy, you gotta beat OU. Mm-hmm. we, we, all this, everything, the the facilities, everything that's so we could beat OU. And he only beat him that one time with Tyreek Hill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so not to change the subject, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to love this. Um, you know, it's kind of Sam Ellinger has, he knows it. He's talked about it. He said, you know, he's trying to aim the ball too much. And if, you know, my, my father-in-law is a coach and he'll always would tell he coached baseball and football. And he'd always say, don't aim it, throw it, <laughs> like, stop trying to aim it, do what you are gifted in doing. And that's just letting it rip how you said, and, you know, trusting the guys around you. And so, yeah, I think that both quarterbacks have been pressing and I completely agree with you. This is literally, let's see which one's going to take the the pot in the middle of the table, you know, uh, who's going to be the one to step up and not do that. Or, it could be both of them are doing that in this game. And then the running game is all the things that we're talking about because that's the only thing working. Who knows? We'll see. Um, But yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, if Sam Ellinger and Brock pretty for that matter, but for Texas side of things, if Sam Ellinger can just get back to just being confident in himself, being confident in the players around him, then I think that Texas wins this game. Um, You know, but I don't know. It's, it's been hard to watch at times, you know, and, and I've been the biggest Ellinger supporter, honestly, even when he was a recruit, like I loved covering Ellinger as a recruit because I, I love the underdogs, you know, the, the guys that aren't the the top tier guys, you know, the guys aren't the number one and they have to like work for everything that they do. That's what he's done. And so, you know, I, I would like to see that same Ellinger return. And I think, you know, senior day would be a, Poetic type of ending, you know. For if that, that's the day that it does happen, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be. I, I'm excited. I hope we get uh, a a well played game by both sides and and no surprises. Yeah, put it that way.
1: Well, that leads to my final one, chips. So I'm gonna ask you this: Senior day for the Longhorns will be memorable for all the right reasons. Love it or leave it.
0: You know, Taylor. I woke up today and this could change and you certainly heard my gut feeling that Oklahoma state would give OU all kinds of trouble last week and how that turned out. I I think Texas finds a way. I think Sam Ellinger finds a way. And so I think it, I'm going to love this. And maybe I'm like you kind of cheering for Sam Ellinger, who's I'll never forget him saying, you know, to the rest of the team, we got to be more accountable. We got to pay more attention to detail. And then they came out and looked like they were playing blindfolded against Oklahoma. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was like, what is going on here? What's the disconnect? And maybe the aftermath of that game and, Chris Del Conte having to go into the locker room and <laughs> tell this team, you guys need to stand together for the eyes of Texas because if you don't, you look like you're totally disjointed and coming apart. Right. Maybe that helped to rally this team. I don't know. But I just get the feeling that on this, uh, on this senior day, as crazy as it is with everything no fans i just i think ellinger finds a way and and the defense gets to brock purdy and tech texas wins like maybe even covers the what is it one and a half points no, right? i was
1: gonna say are they the one less lesson than...
0: <laughs> maybe they win by two points
1: Ooh, or uh... maybe
0: they win 23 21 this year
1: maybe so yeah yeah, I don't know. What about
0: you, Taylor? Do you love this or are you going to leave this? Because you've been much more, your gut feeling has been much more on point. Mine has been more past the Tums.
1: Right. That's why you don't, you don't, you know, ever second guess a woman's intuition. But, uh, you know, I, I'm torn right now because one side of it is, Tom. you know, they had 20 days off in between games. Tom Herman tried to spin it as, oh, this is unique because none of us have ever been through this in the regular season or anything like that. I mean, I, I don't know if that really changes anything. Right.
0: He's day. prepared for bowl games. He's 3-0 and in bowl <laughs> games and you typically have a month off. I mean.
1: Yeah. So I, I do think that should help texas and then that side that's what comes in he's you know three and one coming out of bye weeks he is or four and one yeah four four and
0: one one, and then
1: three and oh in bowl games i mean so on that side i do think that texas this i would love it however i don't that 45 to nothing game that i was i was watching it and i was just like oh my gosh like talk about the worst timing for to be ready to play an opponent and then the team was sitting at home probably watching that game since they didn't have a game last saturday that scares me a little bit so i'm going to just go against you since i agreed to the other ones i'm going to say i'm going to leave it but i'm really torn like i you know i i'm not ready to say texas loses i'm not ready to say texas wins like i i just i you know our predictions will be a day early this week on horns 24 7 and i still am not sure what i'm going to predict but um, you know, just just to go against you, I guess I'll just say leave it.
0: Yeah. And your your predictions have been more on point than mine. So and every game has been a one possession game mm-hmm. for Texas. They could have won they could have won the games they lost. They could have lost the games they've won. I mean, it's this mm-hmm. is this is life under Tom Herman in 2020 and and this Texas team. So, um, All right. Taylor, I got one for you. Okay. Okay. I got, I got two for you.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Two. Okay. So there is a side on that Thanksgiving table that you cannot stand, love it or leave it. And what is it?
1: Um, yes, uh, I'm gonna love it. And it's, this is, I kind of tease it. It's a weird thing, especially Texans give me a whole lot of heck over this. I can't stand gravy. Gravy is just boo to me. <laughs> like I'm not a fan of it. Um,
0: is it a texture thing? Is it a?
1: I'm not so taste. I'm, yeah, I'm not really a fan of warm liquids. I know that sounds strange, but like I don't like you know I don't like
0: like hot syrup.
1: Yeah, I don't like no, yeah, my syrup needs to be like room temperature. I don't like soup. I don't like coffee. I don't like tea. Like the only times you'll see me drinking like coffee or something is if I'm like freezing cold somewhere, like in the press box sometimes at Texas, sometimes I'll get (laughs) a cup of coffee, but it's more just so I can hold in my hands because it gets so icy cold in that press box. But yeah, warm liquids, just a weird thing. So gravy's mine. What about you? Yeah, cranberry. Really? Candor any kind.
0: I mean, whatever that jello form is.
1: Yeah. Is can't. better
0: than the, like, I don't like jam either. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like, I can do jelly. Cause I'm not going to get some piece of fruit in there somewhere, but cranberry. Yeah. Never. No, nah, it's just swinging a miss for me. Yeah. Oh, so I will. Uh, I will love the fact that yes, <laughs> there is something on that Thanksgiving table that I'm going to just pass to the next person yeah um okay let me ask you this because once thanksgiving hits it's christmas season taylor and the christmas specials start immediately mm-hmm. so love it or leave it you have a favorite christmas special that you kind of have to see before you're in the christmas spirit mm-hmm. love it or leave it It's
1: a good question um, I don't know if there's one in particular that I would have. Um, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I always like Christmas Vacation. That's one of the movies that I absolutely love watching. Love I'm a it. big, you know, elf fan. That's a good one, too. But I love don't it. think that there's one that I'm like, oh, I, I, this is the only thing that's going to get me into the Christmas spirit. What about you? The Grinch. Okay.
0: Because of the little dog.
1: That. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I love the little dog. Yeah, like when he gets the antlers tied to his head and he, he's on the front of the sled, like we're going sledding. Yeah, And the Grinch is like, you're pulling this thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. Well, that's- speaking of specials, Chip, one special that we have over at Horns 24-7 too that everybody needs to get aboard on is through Monday, we have a uh, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale of 75% off annual memberships for new members who sign up for Horns 24-7, you definitely want to do the annual membership package because you get not just access and um, to the Horns 24-7 staff's insider information for recruiting and team news, but also you get access to read other VIP articles across the network for opposing teams. So if you sign up today, you can head over to CycloneAlert.com, read what Iowa State, the Iowa State 24-7 site is putting out there. It's the best way to go. Gift it to somebody if you want. I mean, there is this is the best deal that you're going to ever come by at 24-7 to uh, get on board there. 75% off. And like I said, it goes up until um, 11.59 Eastern on Monday. I believe that's November 30th on Cyber Monday. It runs through there. So head on over there. Definitely make sure that you subscribe for the annual plan if you're not a member and then also we always appreciate if you head over to the iTunes channel, you know, give us a five-star rating, leave us a nice little review. Um, you know, we, we appreciate our listeners so much and we hope all of you have an amazing Thanksgiving holiday.
0: Absolutely. Great call. Great call <laughs> on the gifting. Yeah. of The annual horns 24 seven membership. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. Um, Taylor, happy Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah.
0: Um, I will see you on Friday. And don't forget to tune in to the flagship podcast preview. We'll be previewing Texas and Iowa State with Michael Swain of CycloneAlert.com on the 24-7 network. Um, so everybody have a safe and, and healthy and happy Thanksgiving. And until next time for Taylor Estes. I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and keep the faith.